worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Ryan McNally. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Seedmaster. Save up to $22.50 per acre on canola with the Seedmaster Ultra Pro Individual Row Metering System. Today, the Provincial Crop Report says farmers are hitting the fields in the southern region to combine. We also hear from the FarmLink 2020 Crop Tour webinar that was held yesterday. And the farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Filling in for Jim, here's Ryan McNally. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Candiac Auction Mart. To consign your cattle, call them today at 424-2967. The Provincial Crop Report came out this morning saying some Saskatchewan farmers are ready to fire up the combines in the southern region of the province. Sarah Tetlin from the Ministry of Agriculture says the conditions have allowed for harvest to begin in some areas of Saskatchewan. So harvest operations have just started to begin kind of more in the southern regions with farmers starting to desiccate their pulse crops. This is around the normal time um, for harvest to start. Um, Some areas have noted that warm temperatures have rapidly been progressing crop development. So if this warm temperatures keep up, some of the other regions may start earlier than normal. But for the most part, this is around the normal time to start harvest operations. Whereabouts are harvest operations uh, starting? So most of the desiccating that has begun has been in the southern regions of the province. Farmers have noted in the southern and more into the central regions that more will begin kind of desiccating and swathing, especially pulse crops, within the next few weeks. Are haying operations still underway? So a lot of farmers have noted that they have been able to wrap up haying, but a lot of farmers are still out haying and trying to get the most that they can. Just with those kind of reduced yields compared to normal, farmers are still out there haying and looking for more hay. And how have haying operations gone so far? So throughout the past few weeks, with that kind of reduced amount of rainfall, haying operations have been going fairly steady. So farmers have been able to make quite a bit of progress haying. What about rainfall? Uh, Not very much uh, the last week? Yes. So throughout most of the province this past week, there hasn't really been much rainfall. The Yorkton area received the most rainfall this past week with 26 millimeters. And some areas have received about half an inch to an inch, but a lot of areas didn't receive any rain this past week. Would rainfall be welcome? Rainfall would be welcome in quite a few areas of the province. Moisture is really, I guess, valuable during seed fill of crop development, as well as to help support pasture growth. So some farmers are still looking for some rain. How are cropland topsoil moisture conditions? So currently within the province, cropland topsoil moisture is rated as 57% adequate. 33% short and 10% very short. And then the hay and pasture land topsoil moisture is rated as 1% surplus, 44% adequate, 36% short, and 19% very short. 
And you've already kind of touched on uh, pasture growth, but uh, I guess how has that been impacted by the uh, warm, dry conditions? Yeah, with quite a few areas being quite dry, they have noted reduced pasture growth just with the, I guess, pastures kind of drying down with these warm temperatures. So pasture conditions throughout the province are currently rated as 3% excellent, 34% good, 39% fair, 17% poor, and 7% very poor. What are the main sources of crop damage? So a lot of the crop damage throughout the province this past week has been environmental. So that includes damage caused by those really high temperatures, along with dry conditions and strong winds in some areas. There have been more damage reported due to insect pests as well, and this includes grasshoppers, bursa armyworms, aphids, and diamondback moths. Lastly here, Sarah, what are farmers going to be busy doing this week? So um, throughout the next week, farmers will be busy paying and wrapping up paying in some areas. They've been busy hauling grain and also getting ready for harvest throughout the province. That was Sarah Tetlin, the Provincial Crops Extension Specialist with the Ministry of Agriculture. The provincial government released their crop report this morning. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Ryan McNally. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today brought to you by the Salford Group. The summer early order program is extended through July. Call for your Salford equipments dealer or visit salfordgroup.com. At least one farm business is booming due to the coronavirus outbreak this year. Old Mill Berries east of Regina near Quapel is owned by Mitchell and Donna Debian. Donna Debian says business has tripled this year. She spoke with Jim Smalley saying more people wanting to get out of the house and pick berries. It's very busy this year. It's been the busiest we've ever had and we've been here for probably at least 15 years. Why do you think it's so busy? I'm thinking with the COVID, everybody wants to leave the city and come out, enjoy the fresh air, and it's very good for family time. You know, let the kids come and taste berries and, you know, a social outing. How are the Saskatoon berries as a crop this summer? We've got a lot of berries, but with the cool spring, it's uh, resulted in very uneven ripening. So we've got a lot that are ripe, but a lot that are red. So, so- if you're wanting to pick quickly, it's not the easiest you're you know having to pick around the red ones finger picking it's like it really easy <laughs> what do you charge for someone who wants to come out and pick some berries ten dollars for a four liter container so like a four liter ice cream pail type is ten dollars and what if you uh, have someone who comes out and just wants to buy some berries from you what do you charge for that it's twenty dollars but with the demand we've had i'm over a week behind on my orders so how big an acreage do you have for running Saskatoon berries? It's over 20, you know, closer to 25 probably. So that makes social distancing fairly easy? Very easy. We've got over 20 to 30 rows, and if you just take one row and go down, you won't see anybody. So you said a lot of people are coming out because of COVID-19 and a chance to get away for a while from the city? I would think that's probably the reasoning why they're coming out. And a lot of people are now doing baking and canning, that type of thing, trying to build their freezers and, you know, looking for different ideas on what to bake. Now, tell me about what else you offer. Not just Saskatoons, you've got other berries to pick? In a good year weather permitting, we also have strawberries, sour cherries, and raspberries. And how are those crops this year? Not as good. The sour cherries do not like drought, and we've had drought here for three years. So there's a few, but not like what we would hope for. 
the strawberries, I just have a small patch and the demand has far exceeded the demand for the strawberries. We have a lot of good production, but just can't keep up. And the raspberries, again, don't like the drought. So it's not going to be that good uh, a crop this year either. How does someone find your farm? We're straight east of Regina on number one highway. And you go past Belgonia McLean Coppell. And we have little blue, the highway has put up the UPIC symbol signs. And you turn at that sign and go one mile south. Old Mill Berries is one mile east of the intersection of Highway 35 and Highway 1 and one mile south. It's open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. daily all summer long. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Ryan McNally. This is your RealAgriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. We're talking to John Drigger of Leftfield Commodity Research based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. The Canadian dollar, John, is back to pre-COVID levels. We're, we're at 75 and a half on the Canadian dollar. W- what exactly is going on here and how do we look at this currency going, you know, it, it, over the next few months in, into the end of the year? Yeah, boy, that's a good question, Sean. And I'll be the first to admit that I've, I've not been a Canadian dollar bull by, by any stretch. Uh, and, and, you know, clearly over the last uh, short bit here, we've, we've been on, uh, you know, on the wrong side in terms of maybe where our leaning would have been. You know, I, I, in this context, I don't think this is sort of a pro-Canadian dollar story per se. I mean, I think really this is just sort of a, a consequence of the U.S. dollar coming under severe pressure recently. I mean, the, the U.S. dollar index is, is kind of at its lowest level in a few years. Now, that's, you know, the index is very heavily weighted to the euro and to the yen. Uh, but even against some other currencies, like, for example, Brazilian currency and so forth, we've, we've seen the dollar, U.S. dollar weakening. And so I do believe that that is more of what's pushing the Canadian dollar up rather than, uh, uh, rather than sort of Canada having this great, robust growth story and we got our deficits under control and all that sort of thing. Clearly, that's not the case. Uh, so it's, it's more a consequence of, of not being the U.S. dollar. Within that, I mean, we see the price, for example, of gold and silver go screaming higher. Crude oil, crude oil is kind of breaking out to the upside here a little bit. Still, you know, has, has a long way to go to, to fully recover. But then kind of wrapped up in that negative U.S. dollar, you sort of have a pro-commodity story or sentiment around that, of which, you know, a certain amount of that also flows into the Canadian dollar. So it's, it's more, uh, I think, a reflection of, of sort of... Uh, uh, domino effects of U.S. dollar weakness. Nonetheless, you know, certainly our Canadian dollar has, has been up a couple cents here over the last uh, last number of weeks. And, uh, you know, all else equal, that's not great for domestic prices here for our farmers. So it's uh, one of the one of the dynamics that, that's going on that I, I think we're going to see probably a lot of volatility. Long term, I, you know, I, I still think that the U.S. dollar is probably still the best currency globally. But, uh you know, clearly, you know, caught in a, a negative sentiment, a lot of uncertainty coming into this election in, in November, and uh, just the overall broader macroeconomic environment, there's, there's going to be a lot of volatility going forward, of which obviously mm. currencies are a big part of that. Yeah, well, and as the Canadian dollar has rebounded uh, from its COVID lows, if you look at the Canadian dollar to the euro, it, it, it is basically held at the bottom of the COVID lows. It hasn't necessarily moved. It's at about 63.4. Uh, 
So, you know, off from about 70 cents. So that, that's an in, and I think one of the concerns here is for Canadian agricultural exporters is, you know, a lot of times we focus on the futures price of something like lean hogs, live cattle, but, you know, the, the ups and downs there added to basis create, you know, the, the price. But the reality is the dollar and the way it, it's been able to move here, when, it, when it's moving like seven cents over the course of a couple of months, that, that is a big impact on the price that you're getting at the farm gate. Yeah, it is a big impact, and and the thing that's that's uh, sometimes astonishing too, or whether it's the U.S. dollar, it is, I mean, these are big, deep markets. You know, we're not talking about you know deferred months in Minneapolis, Hartford, spring wheat futures where there's not much liquidity. I mean, these are big, deep, liquid markets, and so when you see big, sharp, abrupt moves, I mean, really that. Uh, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of capital that's required to, to force those big moves, and just I think a reflection of, of a lot of the the underlying turmoil that's going on in a lot of these broader markets with with everything that's going on between central banks and deficits and all, all those sorts of things. But but I think within that, and I think you made a good point here earlier about the Canadian dollar relative to the euro, and, and it's easy and maybe appropriately so that we sort of fixate on that relationship between the Canadian dollar and the U.S. dollar. Uh, but also in some of these other markets, you know, it is important that you know, say, if we're selling, for example, directly to India or to Turkey or the or Europe. You know, looking more at, at the Canadian dollar cross relative to those other currencies. And, you know, that's going to look different than it is relative to the U.S. dollar. So as much as it feels like we're losing ground as the Canadian dollar increases, that might not necessarily be the case for all crops into all markets, you know, depending where that destination is and so forth. So, you know, that's one thing to, I guess, provide a little bit of, uh, you know, keep in the back of our minds anyway when we look at this chart of the Canadian dollar and say, oh, geez, you know, this thing is running away on us. You know, everything is going to get hammered in the same proportion and, and that's not the case this has been your real agriculture update you can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com it's your agro weather forecast on the source 620 ckrm the official 620 ckrm farm weather is brought to you by raymore yorkton and watrous new holland working hard to keep more jingle in your jeans and brought to you by shepherd realty in regina specializing in farm and ranch real estate in saskatchewan call harry justin or devon at 352-1866 heat warnings still in effect for northern saskatchewan this hour including prince albert malford and the battlefords you can check 620ckrm.com for more details for the Regina area, sunshine today with wind gusts of up to 40 out of the southeast, a high of 31. Clear tonight with increasing cloudiness before morning with a low of 17. Mainly cloudy tomorrow, 60% chance of showers in the morning with an early afternoon with a risk of a thunderstorm. Then clearing late in the afternoon with a high of 28 and a low of 10. Saturday, sunshine, the high 26 and a low of 10. Sunday, sunshine with a high of 23 and a low of 9. Monday, sunshine with a high of 27 and a low of 12. And Tuesday, sunshine with a high of 28 and a low of 14. The normal high for this time of year is 26 degrees. The normal low is 11. Sun rose this morning at 534. The sun will set tonight at 834. Around the province in Prince Albert, it's 28. Saskatoon and Swift Current at the same temperature at 31. In Estevan, it's 28. Weyburn at 29. In Yorkton, it's 27. The provincial hotspot is leader this hour at 34 degrees. In Moose Jaw right now, mainly sunny in 31. In Regina, it's mainly sunny. Wind south-southeast gusting up to 33. It's 29 degrees. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Ryan McNally. 
This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal's Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And SMHI, operated by Farmers for Farmers. Online or connect with an agent. Storms are unpredictable. SMHI isn't. SMHI.ca Livestock producers across Canada and the U.S. are poised to benefit from a new management agreement among three rising innovators of animal nutrition. Farmhouse Consulting of Manitoba, Krub Sayers of Winnipeg, of Quebec rather, and Airdrie-based Nutrition Partners have entered a new agreement to maximize value and profits for its customers. Alberta reporter Dean Thorpe had a chance to speak with Daryl Lewis, the president of Nutrition Partners. High life is actually partners in both of our businesses. So High Life is a partner in Nutrition Partners, and they're also a partner in Group Sedez. So uh, we've actually known the Group Sedez guys for for several, you know, uh, for over 10 years. Um, uh, we work with them through High Life uh, in terms of the High Life Research Facility uh, and on nutrition. Um, uh, Dan and, and our nutritionists, Jan and Peter, uh, actually com- communicate a fair amount and very much have similar philosophies on the nutrition side. Um, so that's where the connection is with us and Cerez is we've kind of naturally been working together a little bit for uh, for quite a while. And and then with this opportunity coming up with the farmhouse guys, it, it really connected us together. What's this going to mean for livestock producers across not only Canada, but into the U.S. as well? Um, well, it, it just comes down to that uh, um, collaboration of the team that we have is, uh, you know, we feel we've got uh, very strong nutrition and, and uh, um, on-farm expertise. Um, Sarez has the same, and it, it's it's just everything's becoming so much more complex now, and it's hard for everybody to be an expert on everything. So when you when you have this this team together, um, you know, and and then you have High Life, um, you know, kind of quietly behind us, and uh, us having access to the research facility, uh, we also work with uh, some different research companies actually based out of Europe, where where we share. Um, uh, and work with them and get support from them. So it it really comes down to that. Uh, instead of just getting one person, you know, you, you really have three or four people behind your behind your operation. And and uh, you know, again, everybody's you know, one guy isn't going to know everything. And now they've got such a, a good breadth of people that if if there's something going on on farm that they're not sure about, they've got you know, there's a, a a big group of people behind them that they can talk to to try and solve problems and. And, and maximize that profitability on farm. That's Daryl Lewis with Nutrition Partners based in Airdrie, which is joining forces with Farmhouse Consulting and Group Sarez out of Quebec. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Filling in for Jim, here's Ryan McNally. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And the Remax Crown Realty Egg Team of Marcel DeCorby and Graham Toth. Online at landforsalesask.ca. FarmLink presented their 2020 Crop Tour webinar. Overall, Chief Market Analyst Neil Townsend says COVID-19 turned this year's tour virtual. As I mentioned, like COVID-19 turned the tour into a virtual tour. Uh, I think one of the things that you strive for when you're doing sampling of any sort is uh, a randomness. You know, you try to figure out what your biases might be 
and uh, reduce the impact of those biases. Uh, that's one of the reasons why crop scouting is usually done with uh, two or three people in a car. They drive to a field, uh, sort of a random field, sometimes decided by uh, you know a number of kilometers or number of miles. Get out of the car, and then they uh, you know they count independently two or three times in the field, and and you take kind of a you know the mean or the average of that. Um, we weren't able to do that this year because, you know, we, for the most part, we were one person to a car, except for in circumstances like uh, Danielle Rands, where she was allowed to uh, travel with her father, who's also a member of the FarmLink team. Uh, and, uh, you know, people, you know, uh, we also sort of cut out a bit of the randomness of selecting the fields. Uh, this year, we, we for the most part, we had called ahead, uh, sorted it out with FarmLink clients or other interested farmers to go on to their fields. All safety protocols were taken. People were wearing booties, and and uh, you know, 98% of the time came into no contact with another person while on the field. And uh, the the positive is, of course, that's you know beneficial for you know keeping safe uh, both the human and and the crops from uh, from contamination. The negative is that it's you know one person looking at a crop, and and we all have our biases. And I think this year, you know, we wanted to see, we were expecting to see a big crop, and, and that's what we saw. Townsend described some of the takeaways from this year's report. One of the key things we saw was that the crop development is a little bit late, two weeks behind on average, which means that, you know, there's critical weather that remains ahead of the crop. Obviously, uh, August is always, you know, somewhat of a, a big growing uh, sequence. And then finally, I mean, uh, just means that, you know, at the back end, perhaps there's a little bit more risk for a later harvest. And, you know, we don't see the grounds for duplication of last year. But again, we don't know what the weather conditions are going to be in September and October. And we don't know how much rain is going to fall. Uh, and we definitely saw the impact in regions that had the, uh, you know, 2019 harvest extend into 2020. Uh, we saw that those crops tended to be a little bit far further behind. And also, uh, I mean, I think some of the problems that we observed east of uh, Edmonton and in the Peace River District, uh, you know, are obviously tied into the weather conditions that we saw this year, but also the weather conditions that, uh, you know, prevailed last uh, fall. Uh, the majority of the regions, though, we did see better crops than last year. Townsend describes what most producers are looking at for this year. I have here the, you know, pre-crop tour estimations and post-crop tour estimations. And you can see that, you know, our Durham went up by 7%. We're now expecting a 7 million ton crop. And to be honest, there's probably some upside from that 7 million. Canola didn't, very difficult crop to uh, crop tour. Uh, this year we made the decision not to spend time counting. Counting tends to be very inaccurate on canola anyways, and we really relied heavy, heavily on observations and relativity. By relativity, I mean that we discussed as much as possible with farmers whose fields they were, and as I mentioned, this year's virtual crop tour, we had you know, largely uh, permission and indications of which fields to go and, and scout. Uh, and, you know, we asked the farmer, like, how does it look compared to last year? How does it look compared to the five-year average? And again, canola, there's lots of promise there, but, uh, you know, didn't, we didn't see as big of a change in our expectation as we saw on the grains and the pulses. Danielle Rands is the FarmLink's grain marketing advisor for southeastern Saskatchewan and Manitoba and is based in Roblin. She talks about canola. Some places you could stand in one spot and turn 360 degrees and see only canola in others. And sorry, and see only canolas. In, in others, there was more of a rotation 
There was a lot of variability in all areas of this entire region. It came down to when the rain came and how much. There were pockets of dryness and there was definitely certain lower yields there. But on a general basis, it looked fairly comparable to last year. She says wheat was looking good in the region, as were other crops. There seem to be areas adding oats and barley into their rotation more than we have seen in previous years. Some areas have been wheat and canola rotations, and though it wasn't everywhere, this trend seems to be fading slightly. Oat prices for new crop were high, and we've seen producers react to this. The oat hype is real. There's lots lots of them and large yields expected. Certain areas are needing some rain to finish them. Some are also very late, and we weren't able to count them. Dan Hawkins is the advisor for Southern Saskatchewan. He says cereal crops are in good shape. Uh, something that was a little unusual is that uh, canola was still flowering. Uh, lentils, we've got some crop disease and late pod set, and the peas look great. Judy Burt, Grain Marketing Advisor in Kindersley, she's, says this is the best wheat crop she's seen in 20 years, which is hard to believe. She's only 29 years old, so I don't know how she remembers it. Peas and lentils south of Kindersley are starting to turn quickly. Uh, a significant pocket of dryness west of the Great Sand Hills. Those guys just can't seem to catch any rain. They did get some larger amounts later, and of course then there were areas of flooding. Right now, we think our lentil yields are gonna be average because of root rot and disease that's showing up, but also just the late pod set issues. That was FarmLink. They're sharing their results from the 2020 crop tour virtually this year. The Market Updates on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollis Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM Avonlea and Assiniboia. If you're a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 20 SUVs right now. Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Here are the latest Viterra grain prices. Durham unchanged at 266.39. Feed barley unchanged at 174.70. Canola was up a dollar 80 to 433.77. Number 1 Red Spring wheat was down a dollar 58 to 212.67 and all the rest were unchanged. Flax at 536.85. Lentils at 572.50, oats at 171.82, yellow peas at 244.89, and feed wheat at 166.16. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn at 842-4574. And brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. And now, the latest Livestock Quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of August 4th. D1 and D2 cows sold from $0.85 cents to $0.95. Cents. D3 cows sold from $0.75 cents to $0.85. Cents. Counter cows sold from $0.65 cents to $0.75. Cents. Heferet sold from $1.05 to $1.15. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.18 to $1.28. There weren't enough steers and heifers in any one weight break to establish an accurate price quote. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. 
And now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices, Sig 4 in Brandon, is trading today at 132.54. BP4 TCP4 in Moose Jaw is at $140 per CKG. Coming up, the resource report here on Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Ryan McNally. And now the Resource Report, which is brought to you by the Foam Lake Combine Lotto. Win $225,000 in cash or three hundred dollars in combine cash. Ticket info at CombineLotto.com. Bombardier says its net loss surged to $223 million in the second quarter, more than six times higher than its loss a year ago. The Montreal-based transportation company says the loss came as revenue plunged 37% to $2.7 billion due to pandemic-related disruptions. The adjusted loss was $631 million, or $0.30 cents per share, missing analysts' expectations of a loss of $0.11 cents per share on $2.48 billion dollars of revenues but bombardier says early trends are encouraging from new interest in private air travel restaurant brands international says pandemic related restrictions drove a steep drop in second quarter sales at its two biggest brands tim hortons and burger king it says sales shrank by one third at tim's and one quarter at burger king and were only partially offset by an increase at popeyes it says a net income declined 37 percent to 163 million dollars u.s as revenues fell 25 percent to 1.05 billion dollars but it beat analysts expectations for adjusted earnings even though they plunged to 33 cents per share from 71 cents per share a year ago on the markets the tsx composite index was up 15 points at 16,516. in new york the dow jones industrial average was up 11 hundredths of a point to 27,202. the september crude contract was down seven cents u.s at 42.12 per barrel. And the Canadian dollar is up 33 hundredths of a cent at 75.4 cents U.S. That's the resource report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at 145 this afternoon and an agri-news report at 345. Tomorrow morning, there's another agri-news report at 645. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today for Jim Smully. I'm Ryan McNick. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM.